Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you everyone for joining us for this Thursday's Therapeutic Thursday podcast. My name is Han Fang and I will be your host for today's episode. With me is Dr. Belma Korpening, clinical pharmacy specialist at St. Mary's Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Korpening. Thanks for having me. Let's get into today's topic about updates to the pneumococcal vaccine recommendations. Uh, just to start us off, Dr. Korpening, what were the previous recommendations for the use of pneumococcal vaccines? Yes, so previous recommendations for pneumococcal vaccinations were based on both age and risk groups. For adults age 19 to 64 with no immunocompromising or chronic medical conditions, pneumococcal vaccination was not recommended. For adults age 65 or older, PPSV23 was universally recommended regardless of medical conditions and PCV13 was optional based on shared clinical decision-making. Now, in adults with chronic medical conditions such as alcoholism, chronic heart, liver, lung disease, diabetes, or cigarette smoking, a single dose of PPSV23 only was recommended for ages 19 to 64, with then an additional PPSV23 dose at or after age 65, with a minimum interval of five years between doses. Then the recommendations for adults under 65 actually differed for those with cochlear implants or CSF leaks from those with other immunocompromising conditions. The cochlear implant CSF leak group would receive one dose of PCV13 and one dose of PPSV23 before the age of 65 with an additional PPSV23 after age 65. And then those with immunocompromising conditions such as HIV, asplenia, solid organ transplant, Chronic renal failure and cancer were recommended to receive one dose of PCV13 and two doses of PPSV23, with then an additional dose of PPSV23 after age 65, if the first two were before age 65. So essentially, adult pneumococcal vaccine recommendations included anywhere from one to three lifetime doses of PPSV23 and zero to one lifetime doses of PCV13. Pediatric pneumococcal vaccination recommendations, on the other hand, have not yet changed. All infants should receive four doses of PCV13 between approximately two and 15 months of age, and a dose of PPSV23 is then recommended after age two for children with certain medical conditions. The new pneumococcal PCV15 and PCV20 vaccines are currently only licensed in adults aged 18 and up, but we anticipate approval of both vaccines in children in the next year or two. So we can expect updated pediatric recommendations to follow. Thank you. That's a wonderful recap of the previous recommendations. So what's new about the updated recommendations? Yeah, so the new pneumococcal immunization recommendations are not only simpler, but also provide better coverage against invasive pneumococcal diseases. There are essentially two different recommendations depending on which PCV vaccine is used, and the ACIP and CDC do not prefer one approach over the other. Recommendations are still dependent on age and medical conditions, and those categories haven't changed. The pneumococcal vaccination is recommended for adults age 19 to 64 with certain medical conditions or other risk factors, and for all adults age 65 and up. And the CDC does provide a comprehensive list of risk factors that um, providers can refer to. And then timing and the type of vaccine use depends on the patient's pneumococcal vaccination history. 
So for those folks who have not previously received pneumococcal vaccination, you would give one dose of PCV20 or PCV15. If PCV20 is used, pneumococcal vaccination is considered complete. If you choose to use PCV15, one dose of PPSV23 should be given at least one year later, um, and that interval can be shortened to eight weeks if the patient is immunocompromised. And then for those people who have only received PPSV23 previously, you would give one dose of either PCV20 or PCV15 at least one year after the PPSV23, and pneumococcal vaccination is then considered complete. Now, for the patients who have received PCV13 previously, with or without any previous PPSV23, um, you would actually follow the old recommendations and give PPSV23 as previously recommended. For patients who have received a PCV13 previously, it's not recommended to vaccinate with one of the new PCV15 or PCV20 vaccines. That definitely does sound a lot simpler. It does sound like there are a lot of products currently available. So just to summarize, what do we currently have on the market? Where are the available products available for us? Yeah, great question. So our PPSV23 vaccine that I mentioned is called Pneumovax 23, and it's the pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine uh, manufactured by Merck, costs about $120 per dose. PCV13 is otherwise known as Prevnar 13. It's a pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, and it's manufactured by Pfizer. This one costs about $215 per dose. And then the PCV15 is the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine manufactured by Merck and its trademark Vax Nuvance. Costs about $220 per dose. And PCV20 is Prevnar 20 manufactured by Pfizer. Um, So they've replaced Prevnar 13 with Prevnar 20. And that's obviously a pneumococcal conjugate vaccine. And this one costs about $240 per dose. That is great. That's definitely a lot more than uh, what was previously available. With all these different types of formulations, different products, and um, different numbers associated with it, are there any serial protection differences between these four vaccine um, formulations that's currently available on the market? Yeah, so there are. The number behind each vaccine refers to the number of distinct strains or serotypes, so streptococcus pneumonia they cover. All of the vaccines have 12 serotypes in common, but evidence suggests that the conjugate vaccines elicit more robust immunity against most of those strains compared to the polysaccharide vaccine. Pneumovax 23 covers a total of 23 serotypes, four of which are unique to only Pneumovax 23, and those four cause approximately 8 to 15% of invasive pneumonia. And then Prevnar 13 covers, obviously, 13 different serotypes, only one of which is not contained in Pneumovax 23. Those 13 serotypes cause about 30% of invasive disease. Vaxnuvance, or PCV15, covers all the same 13 serotypes of Prevnar 13 plus two additional ones. And those two additional ones account for an additional 15% of disease coverage. And finally, Prevnar 20 covers all the same 15 serotypes of Vaxnuvance plus five additional ones. It protects against approximately 30% of invasive disease that's not covered by Prevnar 13. So when you look at only the serotypes that each vaccine covers, you would think the previous recommendations were sufficient. They would provide the most comprehensive coverage, a total of 24 different serotypes of pneumonia. comes down to a factor of health outcomes and cost. While Pneumovax 23 covers the most strains, immunogenicity is not as robust. 
particularly in immunocompromised patients. And then multiple doses are often needed that essentially act as a booster. We also know that patients don't always receive a complete vaccination series when multiple doses are needed, which affects health outcomes. So that makes the PCV20 one-and-done approach so beneficial. It's the simplest way to complete pneumococcal vaccination in adults while being more cost-effective and producing better health outcomes compared to previous recommendations. Now, however, using the PCV15 plus PPSV23 approach is also more cost-effective and yields better health outcomes compared to previous recommendations. We don't have a direct comparison between the two current recommendations, so we can't say that one approach is better than the other, but we do know that either one is superior to what we were doing previously. And then while immediate costs may differ, for example, one dose of PCV20 would cost less than giving a PCV15 plus a PPSV23, we don't know if and how significantly health outcomes would differ, um, which could affect future healthcare costs and overall cost effectiveness. That's a great point that you brought up, especially with the cost, with the variability in a lot of these uh, vaccinations. And it sounds like there's definitely going to be more to come. Uh, as of right now, what resources or references can a clinician refer to if they have any questions or if they want to be up to date on the recommendations, risks, and what products are on the market? So the best resource, I would say, is the CDC website. They've got the updated pneumococcal recommendations, risk factors, and all the products. Um, listed there. And the CDC also has a mobile app targeting providers called Numorex Vax Advisor that might be helpful for providers in choosing which products to use and staying up to date on the recommendations. That's a very interesting uh, app. I've never heard of that before. It was called Numorex. Is that correct? Numorex Vax Advisor mobile app. And they, they have a reference to it on the CDC website. That's excellent. Thank you, Dr. Kopening. Well, that's all that we have for today's Therapeutic Thursday podcast. Thank you, Dr. Kopening, for joining us today. Um, if you haven't done so before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's clinical resources. There you can find member-exclusive offers such as resources centers, including those on clinical care, uh, nutrition support, opioid management, infectious diseases, and much, much more. Other offerings include credentialing and privileging resource center, preceptor toolkits, and forums such as the ASHP Connect communities, where you can not only exchange ideas such as the ones we talked about today and post questions with your peers and other type of questions that may be pertinent to not only therapeutics, but the practice of pharmacy. Thank you again for tuning in for this session of Therapeutic Thursday and join us here every Thursday where we will be talking with ASHP members and content experts on a variety of different clinical topics. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.